I'm Tanya J. Powers for Fox News Radio. Today I'm spending a few moments with Dave Mustaine. Dave, thank you so much for coming by today. You're welcome. I can't wait to hear. I can't. First of all, let me just let me let me dial it back a second. Thirty five years of Megadeth. Really? Yeah. I can't really. believe it's been thirty five years. This is a big anniversary. <laughs> I can't believe I made it to thirty five years old, <laughs> let alone have a band that long. Seriously, this is a this is a milestone. A lot of bands, most bands, don't make. Let's face it. Yeah, yeah. Well, we we had a lot of really great moments over the course of our career, and it just kept things going. And you know, when things got a little bleak, there was always something somewhere that you know kept giving us hope to carry on. You know, we've had a lot of. Uh, a lot of great stuff that's happened to us in the music industry and a lot of bad stuff. But, you know, I think if you're a decent and honest person, you'll persevere. You are the founder of the uh, of the group, which, I mean, is historical to start with. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that you've had this big anniversary, what are you guys going to do to celebrate this? I mean, it's a pretty big deal. Uh, well, we've got a huge uh, promotional thing that we're doing for the entire year. Every month we're going to be doing a celebration of all the records that we've had in the past. And because we've got 15 records, a couple months we'll double up with the records that we're going to be uh, promoting. But there's also other uh, things that we're going to do. Each each month it's it's uh, kind of specific to each record and the time period that it came out. There's, there's all kinds of things from events that are taking places to something a little more sim- simple like just gifts and items that you can win or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. And and we're just trying to keep it fresh and and, and um, do, do things that have the band and the fans participate as much together as possible. We did that with the uh, boot camp uh, last year, and it was a tremendous success. Uh, you know, I just thought it was like having a bunch of friends over your house because you know I pretty much do my own thing and was wandering around saying hello to everybody. But the response, they're still talking about it and asking us when we're doing the next one. And it's like, whenever you want us to. <laughs> Jeez. You're, you mentioned the fans and you have the cyber army. Mm-hmm. And how have, have the fans, if at all, changed between the time that you started to now, 35 years later? Well, let, let's just look at how the technology. I was just talking to somebody this morning about how you communicated in the past with different songs. You know, the going back to the Pony Express when we first started. Well, I'm just kidding. But you know, <laughs> having to do like pen pals and you look in the back of magazines. You know, when I got my job with my last band, Metallica, I got got my job by answering an ad in a classified section of a magazine called The Recycler in Los Angeles. Now, nowadays, you know, you can't get in people to pick up newspapers and look in the classified ads for just about anything they just won't do it and and i think about you know how we are instantly gratified with you know here's a song check it out instead of back in the day we would wait for weeks for it to come from our friends overseas or we'd have to drive all the way from la up to sf to go to the record vault and dig through the new import bin and that was so great for us we would First thing we'd do, we'd come in and we'd look at the display case with all the new patches and then check out the T-shirts and ultimately end up looking through the records. And nowadays, you know, you sit down at your desk and you click on Amazon Mm -hmm. and that's it. That's the end of it. I don't know. There's just something to still be said about record stores. Yeah, just rooting stuff out and finding it. And and, and also a lot to be said about, you know, knowledgeable salespeople in music stores because, you know, I think a lot of these movies that have come out that make people that work in music stores look like dumbasses has really done a terrible disservice to the 
mom and pop brick and mortar stores because a lot of those guys really know a lot about music, but then you make them look like they're you know, stoners or they're you know ignorant and just there to you know not end up in jail for the eight hours they're in the music store, you know. And I think it's a shame. I learned the most I ever learned about music from. Um, a collector's point of view from the guys at the record vault. I wish I knew what their name was so I could give them credit for it, but I can't remember his name. But it, every time we'd go up to San Francisco, we would go to the record vault. When you, there seems like a bit, been, been a resurgence in vinyl over the last few mm. years. I mean, you yeah. can buy record players at you know Urban Outfitters now. I mean, mm-hmm. it, there seems to be you know so many more people celebrating National Record Store Day, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, yeah, that's got to feel pretty good, mm-hmm. you know, when you when you look at stuff like that and you're like, oh man, good, somebody's still into this. Yeah, yeah. Well, I hope that this nostalgia ends with <laughs> vinyl and it doesn't progress into eight tracks because those sucked no matter how you look at it. <laughs> you didn't like waiting for it to get to the next track. No, here, and go here's all the middle the of the song. <laughs> In the middle of the song, and here comes the solo again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you just ruined the song, buddy. Yeah, that was not the uh, that was not optimal listening mm-hmm. at all. I mean, cassettes were bad enough, but eight tracks were, yeah. were probably. I'll, I'll go with you on that. Vinyl is probably where we need to stop with yeah. that. As far as communicating with your fans, I'm sure that has changed a lot too. I mean, like mm-hmm. you said, it's yeah. it's it's all instant now. I mean, you've mm-hmm. got you know Twitter and Facebook and social media of all sorts. Mm-hmm. Do you find you get better feedback, more feedback? You wish you didn't get as much. I mean, what's the Yes, yes, and yes. Okay. <laughs> it's funny because now everyone has a, a platform. And I the only thing I dislike about it is the anonymity that, that hides the chicken. Mm-hmm. You know, and finish the word out. Exactly. You know? <laughs> um, and, and I think that, that that's, you know, that's a bummer because when you want to communicate with somebody, it's kind of like somebody, you know, jumping on the telephone line and, you know, like in the background and you know you just don't want to hear it i want to talk to my friends i want to talk to our fans i want to discuss music i i enjoy my life i enjoy my career and and we uh, like with my radio show i do on gimme radio um we have the program is recorded and uh streaming music with me in between and then there's a chat room which is a feature at the same time, so while the show's going down live, I'm sitting in there listening to people, watching them comment on the songs. It's funny, the only band that anybody revolted that I played hails from New York, so um, I uh, quickly took them out of my playlist, and, and <laughs> we're calling my playlist the Slay List now because everyone's freaking out over these songs they've never heard before, and, and it's like, man, this is what I'm talking about. You're, you're stuck listening to these teeny bopper, you know, metal bands right now, and you're missing the point. You know, I played a solo from a band, uh, Hocus Pocus, Focus, whatever that song is, the yodeling song, and there's the most mind-blowing solo in there. And if you can get past the yodeling, uh, the guy, he, he, what's his name, Ian Hammer, Ian Mac. He's a very famous guitar player. I had no idea he was in Focus, and then he uh, went on solo. But... You know, if you keep these blinders on and you're only listening to the stuff your friends listen to, you're never going to experience anything. Mm-hmm. A lot of a lot of your fans grew up experiencing all. I mean, this this genre of music exploded with you. Mm. I mean, with you guys. I mean, like I said, it's historic. Right. Um, you know, do you find people have have now gotten their, you know, your first wave of of fans have now gotten their kids involved in in this and are fans of your music as well. 
we have uh, we've seen a lot of different generations over the course of the band's tenure in the music industry. Mm-hmm. The probably the funniest thing was in the very beginning, we had a drummer named Gar Samuelson, and and uh, we were on tour with uh, him probably for about a year and a half before we parted ways with him. And there was one time a girl knocked on the bus and she had a little redheaded baby, and uh, I knew it wasn't for me because I never saw the girl before in my life and she knocked on the door and she goes is Gar here? And Gar walked up and, and he's like hello because he kind of sounded like the dog from the Davy and Goliath cartoon. <laughs> hey Davy, God's going to make you go blind for touching yourself there. <laughs> anyway, so Gar walks up to the front of the bus and, and opens the door and she goes, you're not Gar. I want to talk to Gar, the guy in the band that just broke his leg. So we we had somebody that was out with us at the time who had come up with some story that he broke his leg and he needed a bunch of narcotics to, to, to do his job <laughs> that night and said that he was our drummer. <laughs> So some pregnant or some young mother comes up and it's like, well, I don't have any dope, but I sure have a lot of even flow here. Yeah, it's <laughs> not the formula. Same. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not what he was looking for. Yeah, at all. yeah, it's kind of hard to. I can only imagine, and you've got memoirs too. You've written some of this mm-hmm. stuff down. Best uh, New York Times bestseller. Yeah, actually. that's. Uh, I, I can only imagine the stories. I've not gotten to read them, but they're not X-rated. Uh, you know, the, yeah. that that's something I just felt was unnecessary. You mm-hmm. know, I saw a book from an, one of my peers, and and I know the guy, so I know he didn't get laid as much as he said in the book. <laughs> and he's talking about you know the, the girls and the drugs and all this kind of stuff, and I'm like, no, you didn't. And and for me, I think you know, if you're a young kid, you know that may be something you want to do. But if you're a guy that you know you're mature and and you want to be a successful musician, you're reading a book because you want to know how he did it. That stuff is just self indulgent BS, yeah. and it's like who cares? You know that has nothing to do with how you ended up being a great musician. How did you become a great musician? Right, and so I told my story because a lot of people know a lot about me as a musician, but they don't really know a lot about me as a person. You know, they think they know who I am. They know who people say I am, but half the people who talk bad about me have never met me. They just say stuff that they hear or they're, you know, the Metallica sheep and they say whatever they want. You know, we've got a lot of friends that, that are Metallica fans and we've got a lot of Megadeth fans that are Metallica fans. And and I think that's great when the fans can coexist. You know, when you see people that like Black Sabbath but not with Ronnie, it's like, why? You know, Tony's still there. Come on. Mm-hmm. You know, so I, I think a lot of these petty peeves that people have in the music business is just that. It's petty. What is the most misunderstood thing about you? About me? Mm-hmm. Probably that I'm not approachable, that I'm not a nice guy. Somebody went up to my daughter at Whole Foods the other day, and he was a little handicapped guy working there. I, I appreciate that about Whole Foods, hiring the handicapped. And, and uh he, go, he didn't know Electra was my daughter. He goes, have you ever seen Megadeth play before? And she goes, uh, yeah. <laughs> and he goes, you know, Dave looks like a grouch, but he's really a softy. He's a really nice guy. And, I, was, and I, I thought, bless his heart. you know. And I told her, I said, you know, I saw him and I talked to him when I first went there because he had a martial arts shirt on. And I had said, do you study? You know, and I just started talking to him. I didn't care that he was handicapped to me. He's one of God's kids, and I just started rapping with him. 
And, you know, there you go. See the impression you make. You know, guy thinks that you look one way but act a different way, and he's out there telling people you're a softie. Now, I don't want people to think I'm a softie because it's like, soft, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a coarse soft. <laughs> <laughs> um, you you mentioned your daughter. How many do- how many children do you have? Two that I know of. Two that you know of. Okay. And, and she just had a birthday, right? 20 years old. Wow. Yeah. I told her I said that I, I pray I get to be your dad for another 20 years. Aww. You know, at 56, you start kind of cherishing uh, every heartbeat, you know. And, yeah. and just watching her grow up and watching what justice is doing, um, I'm just so grateful the way my kids turned out because, you know, they can turn out like normal rock kids and, you know, have all of the hardships that everybody you see. And, uh, and, and it's sad because when you become a celebrity, your personal stuff becomes almost like chum for you know the uh, piranha out there and they just go crazy over it the worst stuff that they can find out about celebrities the better and it's you know that makes me sad i'm glad that i've been relatively under the radar when it comes down to tabloid stuff you know i i, I like my life where it's at and i like being you know by myself on my little farm in franklin tennessee and and you know i like it that way how did you keep your kids grounded uh, well, I think, uh, you know, a lot of love, um, a lot of praise, a lot of just really involved parenting. I was gone a lot of the time, so my wife and I, we really, uh, we conversed a lot about all of the different parenting styles and skills that we'd seen work with people and what hadn't worked with people, you know, letting kids throw temper tantrums and kick and scream. I have a relative who um, had... Uh, two daughters and and we didn't t- talk for a long time because you know the daughters would punch their mom and um i i'd said something to him i said you know you got to show up and if you want these kids to turn out right they, they need you you know you may think it's a bummer to discipline them but they they need that you know and, and discipline isn't punishment discipline is discipling it's teaching you know and uh, it's it's a lot like you know my sensei says that when you have a defeat it's not a loss it's it's an opportunity to learn from your mistake and turn it into a victory tomorrow and i i like sun tzu a lot i, I like reading a lot of strategy on on how to get through life especially when you learn at other people's expense you know when you watch somebody else be the guy who slips on the black ice yeah you know um i i prefer that you know i i learn uh by doing in a lot of circumstances but when it's the painful stuff i'd rather somebody else did it for me you uh, mentioned in your bio that you were four when your parents split up mm. how did that affect how you raise your kids well i don't i don't have experience being a dad at all um from watching my dad he wasn't there and I had two brother-in-laws that were surrogate role models but they had kids of their own you know and and it was excruciatingly painful to go to father-son events when there was no father and uh, my sister just got done telling my wife um, how I used to sit out on the porch and just wait for my dad to come home and, and and he would say he would come and he would never come. And, you know, just, just that's, I think, what makes me so dedicated to our fans because I know that a lot of them don't have dads either. 
And, you know, I don't have enough love to go around for everybody, but I got enough to share. And I've done that a lot with our fans to try to be there and help them. And, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's, it's rough because people's motives are impure and they will come up with stories that, you know, their, their best friend just died or something like that, which is not true at all. Or, you know, I mean, we've had people coming in stores and lie about you know, having diseases. One guy cut the line and, and uh, said he was getting this object signed for vets or something. If I remember right, it was a, some crazy stick or something like that. And, and I signed it because I believed him. And the people that were in the line said, that guy's a total fraud. And it's like, this is so, so despicable to, to, to do something like that when the veterans are involved. You know, I mean, I, 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 I'll put up with a lot of stuff, but there's some things that are just sacred. Have you played shows for veterans? Yeah, we did a USO show. Wow, yeah, that had course. to have been amazing. Uh, well, it was fun. Not not a lot of them really were familiar with a lot of the songs because, yeah. you know, when you do a USO thing, it's the, the serviceman or woman and their family. So um, it, it was kind of more like, you know, we were the entertainment instead of, you know, them coming to a Megadeth concert. But it was it was great for me. We got to go to the USS George Washington, which is uh, one of our... Our, our most mightiest battleships, it's an aircraft carrier, and um, got to meet a lot of the men and women out there, and, and uh, I'm actually friends with the air boss there. Um, I think he's uh, getting um, promoted and he's coming off the ship, but that's how we initially m did the concert. We met the people on the USS George Washington, and, you know, I've been, been uh, really um, proud to have uh, our fans from all walks of life, especially the men and women who protect us. I know that a lot of people, it's, it's, it's trendy right now to, to just be hating on everything, and, and that ain't me. You um, are about to, like you said, you're celebrating the 35th anniversary of Megadeth, and people are going to be able to, to come and see you. They're, I know they can hear you on the radio, mm. uh, on the Gimme Radio, right? Yeah, the Dave Mustaine Show on GimmeRadio.com. So, tour? Tour. That's a novel idea. Um, <laughs> we have some dates coming up. Yeah. Uh, festival in in uh, Mexico and a lot of shows coming up after that. Um, not not like a normal tour tour because mm -hmm. the tour is over. The record came out two mm -hmm. years ago, uh, and what today's the thirtieth or something. So like two years and eight days ago. Mm -hmm. So we're done with the tour, <laughs> but we do have uh, a lot of dates that have popped up over the year, and we're. Right now, I'm assembling all the music for our next record, and and I'm really excited about getting to work with uh, our lead guitar player Kiko Lurero again. We worked on the last record, and the music that he wrote was just beautiful. It's, it's just mind blowing, and and I know he's learned a lot about Megadeth, and I've learned a lot about him over the last two years. So, I'm excited to see what we come up with. I'm sure the fans are too. Yeah, because he pushed me a lot as a, as a player and a writer, and and so did Chris Adler from Lamb of God, because Chris sat in and and uh, was the session drummer on this record while we were continuing the search for our permanent drummer, and now we have Dirk Verburen who came from the band uh, Soil Work and and um, it's a, uh, a, just a mind blowing drummer. I'm really using that word mind blowing a lot. Um, I need a new word. <laughs> I'll be getting a phone call from Toastmasters. <laughs> so, so, do you guys do you guys uh, record in? Where do you record? Well, I have a workstation at my house. Mm -hmm. I've got a, a SSL forty eight track console there, and um, that's just for noodling around. And and when it's time for us to really do the real deal, 
uh, we'll do drums in, in a place that's got a really uh, cavernous drum sound, and, and then we kind of go where we want from there to address the sound. If we, you know, if we're doing bass and guitar, a lot of times you can do that now and, and just reamp it. Uh, you you don't even have to be in a room with speakers. You wow. just just fake it. It's all computerized. But I don't like that. I think that's kind of gutless, and you know, it's a shortcut for people who don't know how to get really good tone. You take your time, you get really good tone, and then in the long run you win because other people try and sound like you and they just can't get that sound, you know? Yeah, you got to go all the way around and get exactly yeah. what you want. Because like, think, think of the, uh, the song Comfortably Numb right now, mm -hmm. right? You picture David Gilmore's guitar solo, that sound... It just sustains. It just holds. It's like in Spinal Tap. Just don't look at it. Whatever. <laughs> but um, that sound is so remarkable. Mm -hmm. You know, that, that's what I, I think about when I think about great tone. I think about when you can hear a song in your head and you can hear the sound and it's just like, wow, it's as good in your memory as it is when you're actually hearing it go down. That's a great sound. You know, I could... I could talk to you all afternoon I, I know we can't keep you that long but I, I really appreciate you coming by and telling us about what's going on with the 35th anniversary and kind of an insight into your life you're a softy we're going to spread the word now. oh no tell everybody you can't I'm, <laughs> your tough reputation is gone That's right damn you it you know that okay uh, it's seriously come back and I'm going to go and, kick somebody's cat <laughs> shoot out a porch light or two yeah all right well so if we uh, if we hear the police report we'll understand why That's we'll right. tell everybody Dave Mustaine, thank you so much for coming by today. You're welcome. I'm thank Tanya you. J. Powers. I've been spending a few moments with Dave Mustaine from Megadeth. This is Fox News Radio. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Listen to Fox News Podcast shows ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or follow wherever you get your podcasts.